Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, back from vacation, emergency pod here, on the other line, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. Before we get into all the Kyrie Irving talk, and there's like 30, maybe 40 different angles we're going to have to dissect, I have to you know, get something off my chest. There's nothing worse than when athletes unretire. You know, we spend... <laughs> We spend weeks saying, sometimes months, saying goodbye to them. We have these carefully orchestrated goodbye parties. We, you know, we raise their jerseys up. You know, we we send them off at midcourt. Uh, we have to make contingency plans for once they're gone. And then all of a sudden they decide, no, nope, you know, coming back, Wizards twenty three. I'm not even going to take the team to the playoffs, but I'm, I'm going to go come back for another round. What's up, man? Like you told us you were out, and now you're back. <laughs> you know what? Let me start. I feel like. At the very least, this is going to be better than Jordan on the Wizards, this podcast. It's a low bar, but I think that we can clear it. And uh, you were on vacation, too. So, But as far as I'm concerned, I, I thought it was safe to disappear for a month. I thought the offseason was over. I thought everything was going to be just sort of like chill. You'd, you'd interview Rob Mahoney about the top 100. you talk to Lee. And I could just sort of go dark and go off the grid. I'm going on my honeymoon tomorrow. I'm, I'm getting on a flight to Paris. Uh, but the Kyrie stuff is amazing. And I really, I needed someone to talk to about it because I only have a few people in my life that I can like really like go for a deep dive into some of this stuff. So no, look, I'm definitely of split minds because on the one hand, I see all this Kyrie news breaking and I'm like, oh man, this is brutal. Like I, I would love to talk to Sharp about this for an hour. On the other hand, I was in the middle of Wyoming, like face to face with American bison, you know, which is our national mammal. I don't know if you know that. And, you know, I'm getting this call on my GPS phone. I didn't even know I could be reached. And somehow, you know, you want to rope me into another podcast. So here I am. We yes. should di- we, we should dig in. I mean, we there's so much to talk about here with no, Kyrie. but but thank you for making yourself available because I sent you the text message being like, hey, like let's talk about this. I thought you were in L.A. just hanging out, like pre- prepping for next year's top 100 list, like doing whatever it is you do. But then I, I saw your Instagram and you were like in several state parks over the last no, four days. Yeah. I have no idea where you are right now. Au contraire, Andrew. I'm living the bank robber lifestyle. I'm crossing state lines left and right. I've been in six states in the last six days. I was actually thinking about calling Adam Silver because I went to four national parks in the last five days. My body's feeling it. I could use some extra rest days, four and five nights. That's a, that's a lot. I saw Grand Teton, Yellowstone, uh, Bryce Canyon, of course, Zion. I swam the Narrows for anybody out there who really is into the deep cuts. Uh, the Narrows was phenomenal. But, but honestly, we, we could talk about this part for the next 10 minutes if you don't finally get us on yes, track. Here with I'm going to cut stuff. you off. I'm going to cut you off. But I'm, I'm happy for you living your best life. But yeah, so as far as the Kyrie stuff, you've been off the grid. So I don't know how much you've consumed i kind of did a deep dive this afternoon into like all the different threads here and i came up with 10 questions to guide us through this story and there's a lot of different layers to hit like the calves are, are a complete mess and we'd all like for the last couple months we've been sort of alluding to like the chaos in cleveland without saying anything specific because i mean like nobody really knew what was going on but it just there are a lot of red flags out there, and now it's it's even worse than we thought. So, 10 questions here on the Kyrie trade demand and everything encompassed within. Uh, number one, what percentage of this is a response 
to LeBron's behavior over the past few months? Well, first of all, the trade request, I was initially wondering, did he want a new franchise or a new planet? You know, I mean, what's the gravity <laughs> level that he's looking for? What's the shape that he wants? Uh, that's how far out of it I was when I first heard about it. Are we going to call this a trade request or a trade demand? I mean, what's the right way to phrase this? Uh, I mean, it's it's certainly he doesn't have much leverage to, to go in and say, like, you have to trade me. But I think he, he went to them and said, like, I'm I'm not happy here. Please find me a new team. I mean, he gave them a new list, uh, like a list of teams where he he wanted to go. So I feel like it's more than a request, maybe not quite a demand. Okay, it's a sternly worded request. Well, <laughs> yeah. in my imagination, my mind's eye, I like to imagine that it's 100% a response to LeBron showing up to watch Lonzo play. The LeBronzo phenomenon just sent Kyrie over the edge and he just couldn't take it. Uh-huh. But I don't think I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I think when we look back on Kyrie, the player, would you agree he's been one of the moodier guys for years? I mean, he's always been kind of hard to read, a little bit withdrawn on his own thing. And yeah, they made str- it work. He's a strange dude. He definitely is. And they made it work brilliantly uh, there, not just in the championship year, but at times last year, especially during the postseason too, uh, between LeBron and Kyrie. But I can't necessarily say I was shocked that this guy you know, his his running line here is that he wants more, that he wants to be the face. I mean, I can't say that I'm blown away that he watched Kevin Durant leave Russell Westbrook and he decided he wanted the Russell Westbrook half of that, not the Kevin Durant half of that. I, I'm not totally shocked by that. Yeah, well, and a trademark of his game is irrational confidence. And just like, I mean, he certainly plays like he's the best player in the league. And a lot of times during the regular season, it doesn't really work out. But then he's had some big moments where like, he silences all the critics. Um, but I do think that, I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of different way- ways we could read this. I think certainly a lot of people have framed this in basketball terms as if Kyrie is basically Kobe and LeBron is Shaq, saying Kyrie wants his own team. He wants to be the man. Good luck with that. Like, he's overrated, blah, blah, blah. And that's certainly how this could be remembered. Like, we could look back five years from now and be amazed that Kyrie ever thought he would be better off without LeBron. But in the moment, like given all the different speculation we've done with LeBron over the last month or two, I completely understand why Kyrie could look at every cryptic comment, every stupid Instagram story and like LeBron showing up at the Lakers game and say, you know what? I saw how this went for Bosch and Wade getting left behind. And I think I'm out. Yeah, or I've just had enough of it. Like, I've done that yeah. for multiple years. We won a title, and I'm good. And the thing the thing with LeBron is he wants to have his cake, he wants to eat it too, and he wants ice cream on top, right? Like, he wants the entire organization to be built around him wherever he is. He wants his buddies on the payroll. He wants his, uh, you know, his fellow clients uh, signed to, to big dollar deals. He wants the team kind of structured around his skill set. Then at the same time, he wants to have maximum flexibility and leverage. So he's always on these short-term contracts, kind of keeping everybody guessing. And then on top of all of that, he really craves the attention. That was a point that Lee Jenkins made on the podcast when you were out, Yeah, uh, when you were supposed to be on vacation, then you came back. <laughs> uh, but he said, look, he wants to be in the middle of it. He shows up to watch Lonzo play because he wants to be a part of that story, right? And so if you're Kyrie... Uh, you know you've pretty much peaked in terms of how popular you can be as the number two guy beside LeBron. But now you're also basically 
spending your prime waiting for LeBron to make his next decision, right? And I think that's why a lot of people rush rush to the explanation of he's just trying to be the first one out. He's trying to beat everybody to the punch and say, hey, get me out of here before LeBron leaves. And I think that's kind of a harsh way to look at it. But it also works the other way, which is I just want to be out here because I don't want to have to wait on LeBron making up his mind. You know, whether he leaves or not, I don't want to be in this constant state of flux where I don't know where I'm going to spend my prime years and it's tied up with another guy's decision. And if they hadn't won a title, I would definitely fault Kyrie more for that. I would say, yeah. hey, look, you know, play your part. Uh, but what more does LeBron really want from Kyrie? He hit the game winner in game seven. Like, you know, he, he's good. I mean, I don't think Kyrie owes LeBron anything at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of like do as I say, but not as I do to LeBron's leadership in Cleveland. And I understand it. Even if you go beyond the past few months and just take the whole of their time in Cleveland together, like it would be exhausting to be around this shit on a daily basis. And I completely get it. If that's part of why Kyrie wants out, if Kyrie thinks that he's going to go somewhere else and be the man and win 60 games and make the finals every year, like obviously he's, off the reservation on that one, but it makes sense to sort of be a little bit fed up. And there's a, there's a cost to some of the way LeBron handles himself. And I think that we've, this, this forces everyone to be a little bit more skeptical of, of LeBron. Like he kind of became bulletproof after winning that title because it became clear that he's this generation's Jordan. And, but now like he's not really criticized ever and I think there are two criticisms that are really fair with LeBron. And, like, on, on the one hand, it's that he pressures teams into short-sighted slash bad personnel decisions and then sort of plays the victim when, like, two years down the road, his teams have no options to improve. And that's, like, including pressuring Cleveland to overpay guys like J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson and even Iman Shumpert is in that category – and then the other thing is, like you said, like he sort of demands the spotlight and fuels the soap opera side of this stuff to an extent that would just be tough to, to handle every day. Like it can't be all that rewarding to be Kyrie and see LeBron get 95% of the credit for every win. And then after every loss, people turn around and say, like, he's not getting enough help. When is he going to leave? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I thought one of the clips I was going around these last couple of days where Kyrie was asked whether LeBron was had a parental influence on the Cavaliers and Kyrie <laughs> yeah. just like rolls his eyes and is just like, uh, you know, I have one father. I mean, that stuff would really get old. And again, I'm going to give Kyrie a total pass on being frustrated with that because I'm as guilty of anyone. When you start watching the Cavaliers game by game, like I do during the playoffs, I'm sure you have it at certain points too, where you're there, you're you're around it it's impossible not to get caught up in LeBron's greatness. I mean, yeah. you were the you were you were so off the reservation to borrow your phrase. I mean, you had LeBron potentially passing Jordan at one point no, uh, during these the past plays. Like no, I love yeah, LeBron. Okay. He's unquestionably like okay. top 2, top 3 ever. I mean, there he's basketball-wise, he's unimpeachable, but there's okay. just a bunch of other stuff that should yeah. that comes with it and should be part of his legacy and I feel like He's kind of gotten a pass on that since last year's yeah. finals. Okay, he ain't Mike, but he's awesome. <laughs> and when you're and when you're there in the playoffs watching him game after game, it's impossible not to just, you know, lather praise on this guy. And if you're Kyrie, uh, that would get old. And also all the people asking you about how great LeBron is game after game would also get old. And again, 
when you're sitting there thinking, okay, this guy's supposed to be our leader, I'm constantly uh, answering questions about what a great leader and father figure and mentor and big brother and all this other stuff that he is. But then at the same time, you're staring at a possibility that LeBron just bails on you in 12 months and he won't give you a straight answer about what his future is. And he's just going to say, look, that's how free agency works. I mean, that if you're Kyrie, that feels hypocritical, doesn't it? I mean, the way LeBron's acting, doesn't that feel not like the best leadership? Uh, and so, uh, again, I, I guess I don't fault Kyrie for that. The one bit, though, about on the leadership angle that's bothered me, I, I've been reading these last couple of days, is that uh, people have pointed back to the timing of LeBron's to retur- return yeah, uh, and basically saying, look, Kyrie signed his extension right before LeBron came back. So he signed that deal thinking he was going to be the guy, and the LeBron thing kind of caught him by surprise. Well, that may be true, but Kyrie also repeatedly said sort of before and in the immediate aftermath of that extension that he didn't want to be the leader. He didn't think he was sort of that at that point of his career because he was so young. He didn't feel comfortable in that role. I'm not totally sure that's who he was three years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's fair to say, oh, okay, Kyrie feels blindsided by all of this. This was, wasn't what he signed up for. I mean, I think quite the contrary. This was the greatest thing he possibly could have imagined happening to him. And I think he's just ready to move on from it. Well, that and also LeBron, yeah, it it was the greatest thing. Strictly in a basketball context, LeBron is almost the perfect player to pair with Kyrie. I mean, in terms like, I think Kyrie's weaknesses are that if he's running your team, there's not going to be very much ball movement. There's not going to be, and he's not very good defensively. And he's like, if he's the guy, I'm not sure how good that team could be. But LeBron was the guy, was the focal point of the offense and allowed. Kyrie to become more of a specialist and particularly in the playoffs like he was amazing in that role so this sort of played to his strengths and obscured his weaknesses a little bit Um, but speaking of being blindsided we should move on to question number two Um, did you click the link that I sent you with the Instagram stories Yes, I'm a professional here, man. You send me the, the work, I do the work, okay? Come on. All right, so you listen to this Meek Mills song. We're going to play it on the podcast. Hold on. Okay, so that is LeBron's only official comment on the tra- on the Kyrie rumors. Uh, or were those Meek Mill lyrics, and he was nodding along in his Instagram story. And then those lyrics became the kicker to a big reported ESPN feature on Sunday, which is just amazing to me. But, yeah, so LeBron is very much playing the blindsided card card here, as if well, this I mean, came that's, out of that's nowhere. A, that's the most emo I've seen LeBron since the mirror picture, you know, and that's a new bar. I mean. <laughs> it was pretty corny, man. It was pretty mid- middle school of him. Uh, I mean, what do you do? You believe this? Because I feel like if you're LeBron, you had to know about tension earlier than like last week when it when it's when he's claiming he found out. Well, look, do you ever have share anxiety on social media? Like, you know me, I'm just getting, I'm new to Instagram and I'll sit there and just stare at a picture that I'm going to share. And it's not even of me. It's not like a a ridiculous outfit (laughs) or like a a funny face. Yeah. And I'll just be like, is this good enough to share? Like, is this like, does this meet my quality (laughs) standard? Right. And like, I'm not an important person at all by any stretch of the imagination. I'm definitely not LeBron James. I feel like my sharing anxiety standard is significantly higher than his sharing anxiety standard. He's just putting everything out there right now, isn't he? I mean, 
there's nobody who can say don't don't put that video out you look kind of weird like you don't look it's not the it's not the best response there could be a different way to handle this well nobody that's funny it's funny you say that because i was wondering having watched that video i watched it three or four times and i'm wondering how many takes it took him to oh, record no. that video that was it not just the a first one off <laughs> yeah. oh no there's no oh. way that was a one take because it perfectly syncs up with the lyrics and i mean <laughs> And again, this is how LeBron's communicating with the world is through Meek Mill, which is a big win for Meek Mill. He had a rough couple of years, but he's bouncing back with help from LeBron. Uh, yeah. Well, so let's go to the no. next the next Instagram so, story. Well, here's the thing, though. Can I answer the question or do we have to do this other one first? No, answer. answer. Go for it. There's no way he was blindsided by it because one of the most underreported things of this entire summer was that Cleveland was shopping Kyrie before all of this, right? When right. they were going after Paul George, when they were looking at these other deals, they were offering Kyrie up in trades. And that should have been a much bigger deal than it was uh, mm -hmm. because Kyrie is not Kevin Love. Kyrie is not permanently on the trade block. Kyrie is a core guy where uh, you look at their star power, you know, in terms of his jersey sales, in terms of... Uh, his sneaker sales. I mean, this is a big-time star. It's not quite KD, Steph, like co-stars, clearly, because LeBron is LeBron. Uh, but that's about as big of a number two star as you can get in terms of fame and, um, uh, I think, popularity in the NBA at this point. So for him to be shopped, that was a big deal, and I was surprised uh, it wasn't talked about more. And so from that standpoint, there's no way LeBron can feel blindsided. If Cleveland was willing to trade him, LeBron certainly understood that, like everybody else. He had to prepare himself for the possibility that Maybe Kyrie won't be back. Well, and but so, then so it was if Kyrie also, flips that around, I mean that's still the same reality, right? Like if Kyrie goes, Kyrie goes. I mean, who, who, what does it really matter if it's uh, Kyrie's decision or the the organization's that's well, motivating it? It was also reported though that LeBron went to Dan Gilbert and said, "Don't trade Kyrie." After after those rumors emerged, so it's hard to know exactly what happened. I just find it hard to believe that he would be this shocked i'm sure that there was probably tension behind the scenes that we weren't totally aware of but that lebron certainly knew about and so i just some of this feels it feels like bullshit to me i don't know um and then the other side of this is this guy who's apparently Kyrie's friend posted an instagram story of his own and it was just an all-black screen with text and the first one said by the way, stop lying, LeBron. And the second one says, I know the real fuck boy. Stop lying to the media. And, um, this you was delivered part of, that very well. That this, was, this was part of my deep dive today. This is Kyrie. Apparently, this is Kyrie's friend, some guy named Waxstar. And I did some digging on his Instagram. And I really can't figure out what he does, but he's got like. 97,000 Instagram followers, so it looks like he's famous, but then all he does is just pose in front of pools and on beaches and shit with captions like, it's levels to this game. So I don't really know what his role is, uh, but he's part of Kyrie's entourage, apparently, and he... <laughs> There's like 95% like chance your description of him is going to lead to some hate mail from him at this point. I'm, I'm just <laughs> warning you. like, And it's it's such a weak move that you're going to go to Europe and leave me with it. <laughs> but I don't know, man. 97,000 Instagram followers. I feel like he's famous. So he's, he's probably above all this. But well, bottom line we're gonna is... going to hear about it. And then there was another <laughs> a slightly more credible <laughs> source was from Stephen A. Smith, who said this afternoon... 
According to my sources, they believe LeBron James had everything to do with news getting out that Kyrie Irving wants to be traded because Kyrie and his representation and others met with the Cavaliers a couple weeks ago and not a word got out until recently. They believe that LeBron got word of it and it was and was put off by it and leaked it. I'm not going to accuse LeBron of such a thing. I don't know that to be true at all, but I know that's what Kyrie Irving believes. I really enjoyed how carefully worded that Stephen A. Smith report was, but I think that's part of what has intrigued me over the weekend with all the reporting on this is that it, it does seem like LeBron was the guy who leaked this in, it, as a way to make Kyrie look selfish. Yeah, um, or maybe to kind of win the public relations war to keep him. I mean, could that be LeBron's endgame here? I mean, if you're LeBron, you want Kyrie in Cleveland next season, don't you? I mean, can't we assume that? Because whatever the trade package is going to be, you're not going to get equal value on a point guard. And if you don't get a point guard back, you're screwed. Like, can we agree on that? I mean, their point guard rotation is just so screwed up. It's just so bad that, like... Are you not a uh, Derrick Rose believer? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe in China, I'll believe in him, you know, in a, for the I, Shanghai Sharks, but not for the Cleveland Cavaliers going against Golden State. And look, LeBron, whatever his 2018 plan is, that's fine. His 2017-18 plan is sweep through the Eastern Conference again, take your best shot at Golden State. That's all he can do. That's all he can kind of control at this point, right? Without completely altering his life. Uh, you know, trying to get himself traded. I mean, without a, just a massive, uh, you know, upturn in his reality. That's what his goal is. I think keeping Kyrie is a top priority for that goal. I mean, yeah. having him is better than not having him. And so if you do leak this, I'm not saying that he did. I have no knowledge of that. But if you do, it makes Kyrie look, you know, out there on an island. And then I think it does build some pressure that says, hey, you know, just try to make it work for a year and then figure it out later. You know, try to welcome him back into the fold. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like if you leak it, that's like a scorched earth thing and he's gone forever. Yeah, that's fair. Um, to let's move on, though, uh, because the timing of this, another part of this that's interesting to me is when do you think Kyrie first talked about wanting to get wanting out? Because. If you go back to before the draft, there were all the Jimmy Butler rumors. That that whole thing was in full swing. And then a report came out that a Cavs player told Jimmy not to come there. And maybe that was Kyrie. And I think it's interesting because it speaks to whatever the answer is. Like, And, and David Aldridge reported that there was a, a source told him that Kyrie was pretty clearly unhappy like in mid-June. And whatever the the real answer here is speaks to how badly the Cavs actually played this summer because like you said they could have gotten a point guard back for him like Chris Paul wanted out of LA and that trade would have made a lot of sense and now that it now that it's dragged on through the end of the offseason like you you couldn't devise a scenario where the Cavs have less leverage it's now public and so I, I like, do you have any read? It's, yeah, it's public, and it's also all these other teams are kind of already set, right? And a lot of these other superstars are already set, so it's a little bit late in the game. I mean, I have two thoughts here. First, you're really doing a phenomenal job of citing your work on this podcast. I mean, you're throwing out <laughs> Instagram handles of random guys, reporters, different websites. I mean, you're like a walking, talking bibliography right Shout now. Shout out so to Waxstar on Instagram. Everyone check uh, out his account. <laughs> 
I'm really proud of you for that. Second, though, in terms of the timing, let's rewind back to uh, the finals, uh, game five loss in, in the finals. And I'm going to read you a quick quote. The reason why I'm going to read you this quote is because it's an opportunity for me to shamelessly plug one of my most retweeted tweets of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it is Kyrie talking about LeBron immediately following game five, that loss. Uh, and he says, uh, that's the type of guy that I want to be with every single time I'm going to war because I know what to expect. And you stand your ground too with a leader like that. Uh, you don't want to take a step back. You move to the front of the line with a guy like that. and You want to bring your game up to another level. That's what I'm going to continue to do because I know that if we continue to be with one another and keep utilizing one another, man, the sky's the limit. And this was part <laughs> of a 90-second tribute from Kyrie to LeBron, which I actually thought was the most genuine thing Kyrie has ever said about you LeBron. You loved because, it. You ate well, it up at the time. A hundred percent because they're part of this mutual admiration society where they're always complimenting each other, but it always seems so forced and like yeah. lip service. And here was like Kyrie pouring his heart out right after the finals and was like, man, so uh, either he got the really good Uncle Drew acting lessons from the Pepsi people and he's just like put it into action right there after that defeat uh, or something changed since the finals. And to me, a lot of this goes back to Dan Gilbert and the management situation there. Because if you have LeBron doing LeBron's thing, uh, if you have an offseason in which there are no major upgrades coming, right? Like Jeff Green. Yeah, like great luck with Jeff Green in the finals next year. Uh, or Jose Calderon or whoever else. Those are big issues. But then to not even have someone that you can go to to talk to and express how you're feeling about the development of your career, maybe ask for more shots, more touches, maybe ask for their input and how you should handle the LeBron uh, 2018 stuff to not even have someone there because your owner just decided not to pay him and then couldn't reach a deal with his supposed replacement in Chauncey Billups and then just promotes uh, the guy who was basically number three or four on the death chart in the front office. To me, if I'm Kyrie, that's the trigger. Like that is the thing that bothers me. And maybe he doesn't have the same, uh, you know, priority list that I would have. But if I was in his situation, that would just kill me because it's like, look, we're out here trying uh, our hardest to keep up with Golden State and we're getting lapped because of our front office and our management. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree this was definitely the worst possible summer for the Cavs to just not have a GM and not have anyone like working behind the scenes to sort of <laughs> massage egos and try to work things out. And just like move delicately with any of this like they just they've they've been asleep at the wheel for a solid two months now and I I think that coupled with LeBron's behavior and like refusal to comment as like the whole world has started speculating about what he's going to do next summer that sort of sells me on Kyrie waiting until a week or two ago to make this like an official demand um, of the Cavs but then the the other side of it. And also like, it's hard to believe. Like I remember that quote from the finals because you were going on and on about it on the podcast. (laughs) And and I like, it was one of the first things I thought about when I, when I saw the, the initial news from Windhorse and it's hard to believe that he could turn around two weeks later and say, I like, I don't intend to be here, but the Jimmy Butler thing seems real. It seems like somebody reached out to him and was like, don't don't even bother with this. And and Kyrie and Jimmy are friends. So I don't know. I there's a lot of a lot of conflicting evidence on that one. Um, but I think 
one of the like big picture going back to that finals quote and every fake like the the fake admiration society that LeBron and and Kyrie have had for the last three years. I think one of the reasons I love this story is because it's a, a loud reminder of how much we don't know about NBA teams. Like at any given time, and like pe- even people like Winhorst, people who are super plugged into that team, had no idea that this was coming. And I, 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 it's just sort of a reminder that at any given time, we're working with like fifty to seventy-five percent of the information available, and there are always sort of curveballs that come out of nowhere. I kind of hear what you're saying, but I want to twist it a little bit because I actually think that it's validation for the idea that when there's smoke, there's fire. Like, I think this is a a total case of just all the locker room discontent dating back to sort of the David Blatt or even, you know, Kyrie versus Dion Waiters, you know, the supposed fist fight in the locker room or whatever else. Right. There's been so much just kind of weirdness around that organization before and after LeBron arrives. Right. So once it finally comes to a head, it's like, oh, wow, now we get to find out, you know, three or four years of detailed backstory that we didn't know, like you're saying. But there was always this kind of concern factor, and I like that it was um, validated. I also think we should quote Nas here in terms of Kyrie and uh, LeBron. You know, a thug changes, love changes, best friends become strangers, right? Like they could be (laughs) in in June, they could be buddy-buddy, shared, you know, uh, shared admiration in defeat against Golden State. And by July, when LeBron starts gallivanting around with the Lakers uh, talk and, you know, the Spurs banana boat stuff floating out there and all the conversation uh, shifting immediately to 2018, as soon as this free agency period kind of wrapped up, that would be really annoying. And that's it's a short period of time, but a lot happened. Uh, And I also think if you're Kyrie, you're seeing Paul George move, Chris Paul move. You're starting to realize that all these other star are getting the attention this summer because of movement, uh, because of kind of rejiggered cores. Uh, and maybe there's a staleness factor too. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, we are who we are. We're not better than Golden State. And maybe there's something else out there that's better or more interesting or just new uh, that can give you uh, more attention and, and a bigger stage. And I can see those wheels turning uh, for Kyrie. And uh, it was something I talked about with Lee as well. Just the Warriors response factor, like, you know, yeah. some of these organizations are kind of ramping up because they, they want to keep up. Some of these stars are looking for, uh, you know, different priorities or different opportunities to keep up uh, with Golden State. And I think we can view this this Kyrie thing through that lens, too, don't you? Yeah. Um, I have a, a side question for you. Was that Nas quote an audition for LeBron's Instagram stories? well he's a step his game up come on let's not say let's not say meek mill and nas in the same sentence let's have some let's have some respect for the hennessy selling legends but look uh the one thing i do want to bring up to you about you know potentially the warriors impact though is do you remember a role player named kevin durant during the finals i think when we watched that shot back when he steps up from deep and just shoots that three-pointer right over lebron james's hand to basically seal the championship i mean it wasn't a game-winning shot but it pretty much ended the series I think when we watch those replays from now on, when the ball swishes through the net, we should have sort of like an explosion effect on the video with the Cavaliers franchise just, <laughs> just crumbling. Because <laughs> yeah. that that was the moment they died, right? I mean, KD basically slayed them with that shot. Yeah. Can we agree about that? It was one of the only iconic moments from one of the most boring playoff runs all like in my lifetime. So yeah, 
Um, congrats to bringing up the boring ass Warriors again. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, I, have, I just want to make sure the role player gets his due exactly. for shattering his chief rival. I just want to make sure he gets that. Due. Good for you. Uh, when Kyrie creates his own self-sustaining community, will you join? Oh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, what's involved with that? Get, lay this out for me. Did you read the article I sent you? I did the homework, but you're going to have to summarize okay. it. Okay, all right. I included this note because the last Kyrie news I had seen before the trade demand this weekend was him talking about starting a self-sustaining community and railing against capitalism. People can Google it. He was on a podcast and I just think it's important to remember, as you mentioned earlier, like, and as the whole league tries to decode Kyrie's motivations, this dude has always been a supreme, like, super woke weirdo. He's, he, even before the Flat Earth stuff, but the Flat Earth stuff is certainly, like, his, his signature take on that one. Um, he's kind of like, he, he's like the Lupe Fiasco of the NBA. Like, he, he's got some good ideas, but he could probably use an editor and I just feel like that should be factored into this because he's in a great situation. And I think he's always kind of been in a world of his own to some degree. So I don't know if I'm biased because I'm in the state of Utah right now, having been to a number of amazing national parks yes. and viewing a number of self-sustained societies all across <laughs> the state. But I wonder if guys like Rudy Gobert should ramp up the recruiting effort right now, right? Like, just pitch him on like, you know, look, it's a farm-based agricultural society. <laughs> you go two hours outside Utah, you can buy as, or outside Salt Lake City, you can buy as much real estate as you want. Uh, you know, horses, cows. I mean, maybe we should be ranking his destinations, his preferred destinations by basically agricultural availability. I mean, is this what he's looking for? It's funny because it's funny you mentioned Utah because I thought about that as like Kyrie, the, he, he is sort of an outside the box guy. And first of all, I could see you living in a self-sustaining community one day. Like I, whenever, <laughs> oh. you, whenever you kind of just like lose it and get burnt out by the internet, I fully expect you to end up in the wilderness somewhere, Instagramming photos, like, like living on a pond. It's possible. I mean, I've often had my escape plan be Belize. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> I think the other one, too, would be like Sacramento, right? Like, remember the cowbells? I yeah. guess they have a point guard, though. That's the problem. Maybe he can play two next to De'Aaron. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's weird enough. I don't know if he is, is that far off the reservation to, to, actually, to sell the, him on Sacramento. Don't the Suns play at Talking Stick Resort Arena? I mean, that's that sounds like a self-sustained... Hey, uh, situation there. Anything is possible. And we're going to get to the trade possibilities in the second half of the podcast here. But first, today's pod is brought to you by Barbasol. Tell me about Barbasol, Ben Golliver. New sponsor alert, guys. The biggest thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream is also the only thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream. Introducing new Barbasol razors, the brand America trusts for a close, comfortable shave now has premium disposable razors. Barbasol's close shave technology on every razor means you get an advanced pivoting head and ultra-thin open-flow blades. The Ultra 6 Plus razor also features a seventh blade specifically designed to refine and style tricky areas like under the nose, sideburns, and beard. Visit barbasol.com and get a $2 savings coupon and see for yourself 
why Barbasol razors are the number one new disposable razors out there. You're looking good, America. You're shaving with Barbasol. I'm really glad we gave you that line at the end. And yes, go check out Barbasol. I, one of the big developments in, of, of my last like five years is realizing that it pays to spend like a little extra on shaving cream. Um, because you know, like the, the cheapest of the cheap is pretty rough, but if you spend a little bit extra money, it actually is pretty great. You know, it's crazy because I've been out here in this self-sustaining community and I really (laughs) haven't been doing the best job grooming. I can't lie. And I'm really looking forward to shaving off a week's beard. And I, you know me, I keep it real clean. 1950s style Barbasol is totally in line with my personal aesthetic. I'm really looking forward to bringing out some Barbasol, uh, close shave technology, on my cheeks, shave off that week, week long beard, uh, get back into the game. I can't wait. Good. I can't imagine you with a beard and I actually don't want to imagine you with a beard. So get home and shave. Uh, let's get back into it though. Number five here. Do you think there's any chance Kyrie stays? I really do. And I was going to ask you this. I was going to frame the same question a different way to you is if you're Cleveland, do you just call his bluff and say, look, man, we're going to the finals next year with you period. You know, you can figure out the rest of it afterwards, but you don't have the leverage because your contract's got multiple years left. You're not the best player. uh, And this is a contender. This isn't a team that's going nowhere. Despite all the dysfunction we mentioned earlier, this is still a really, really good team uh, that works, that functions uh, when they're kind of clicking on all cylinders at an incredibly high rate. Do you just call his bluff and say, you know what? We hear you. We're going to try to make things better for you. We're going to cater to you. We're going to hire your Instagram buddy as, you know, uh, development director of basketball operations, whatever joke title you want to give him, uh, throw him a bone to his posse, and then just move forward next season. I think that's how I'd handle it if I were them. Well, I'm not sure if that's exactly how I'd handle it. I think what I would do if I were them is start leaking immediately. And this is where it helps to have an experienced GM who actually like knows people in the media and can go through sort of back channels to get the word out that they don't plan on, on trading Kyrie or that they're seriously considering going into next season with Kyrie to try and get back some leverage so that teams are actually going to have to like make real offers to them. I think it's a little bit complicated though, because he's basically like the jig is up. Like the, the fake friendship with LeBron is that no one's going to buy it next season And unless the only thing that I think could potentially salvage this is if LeBron goes to Kyrie and has like a very public sit down with him at some pool, at some luxury hotel, and they put it on Instagram or, or like someone, ideally someone else would put it on Instagram and, and tweet it out like a secret meeting between LeBron and Kyrie where they allegedly bury the hatchet and and he comes back for next year. But the thing is, like 48 hours later, LeBron singing breakups to makeups on Instagram. Yeah. And and that's kind of what happened with Kevin Love after that first year in Cleveland is, is LeBron went and like sat down and was like, we need you, Kevin, even though like had they not won the title last year, they, I'm, I swear they would have traded Kevin Love. Uh, and like Love has been, Love has been in trade rumors more often than not since he's been in Cleveland. Um, so, like, if I were Kyrie, I don't know if that would be enough for me to really, like, buy in all over again. But, yeah, like, you make a good point. As far as Cleveland's leverage, like, they may not have a better option than just saying, look, you're coming back for this year, and we're going to make this work. Yeah, I think your goal, if you're the organization, is to win a title next season. 
you have to kind of prove it to LeBron that you're competing. If you trade Kyrie for young pieces, you've already lost that battle, right? If you trade him for prospects or, or draft picks or whatever, he's going to look at that and say, come on, like, what are you guys doing? If you try to trade him for a similar player, it's not going to work. Okay, if we're looking at the, the kind of point guards who are as good or better than Kyrie, who you would theoretically want in that kind of a trade, you're not getting any of them. You're not going to get Westbrook. You're not going to get Chris Paul, Steph Curry. I mean, John Wall, none of those guys are coming, right? Yeah. So that means you're taking a noticeable step back. Uh, and again, what's the message to LeBron? I mean, to me, that's kind of pushing him out the door. I think the best message to LeBron, if you're Cleveland's front office and you're the one who hold the cards, not like Kyrie can force a trade here, your best message to LeBron is try to put the pieces back together, try to help him do that. Like you're saying, he's probably going to need to be involved. And then try to keep the drama to a minimum during the season and if Kyrie wants to be angry pouty Kyrie fine he's going to show up in the playoffs you know he yeah. might be mad about it he might not play defense for four or five months but you know <laughs> this is a guy who wants he wants the attention right he wants more glamour no one's going to give him that kind of love and adulation if he pouts his way through the postseason and that would be my That's I'd be true. banking on that if I'm Cleveland I'm just going to bank on his mamba mentality uh come the second round you know and and go forward with that. Hey, I just thought of something, though, that could throw a wrench into all of this. What? The one point guard who is sort of at this level who might actually be available is Isaiah Thomas. Like, is there a trade there? Like, could Danny could Danny flip the tables on us completely <laughs> and go from, like our, like, our punching bag to our favorite general manager of all time by trading for Kyrie before the season starts? Danny Ainge comes rushing out of the tunnel. I don't think they have the cap space to make that work. Um I do think that Kyrie, of the teams across the league, like one of the better situations would be Boston um, if you replace him, if you replace Isaiah with Kyrie. But I also think it's so awesome. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It would, but I I really like Isaiah, and I'm not sure I totally like Kyrie. uh, And I also think that they're close enough talent-wise that it wouldn't make sense for Boston to, like, take that risk. Um, But it's... I mean, it's in play. Everything is in play right now. I, I think you're right about Cleveland's like it's it's more plausible than I think it may have seemed like on Friday when all this broke. But I also think that, it, again, if if I were Cleveland, I would leak it and then still plan on trading him um, leak leak that he was potentially coming back and say, all right, let's get a deal done. Um, but next question and for reasons that we'll we'll get into in like 15 minutes. Next question. How good can a team be if Kyrie is the best player? I want just your honest answer. Give me your top 100, like, I'm a robot answer. I I think that he's not as good as Westbrook was last year. I think he'd be very comparable to, like, first or second year Harden in Houston or the recent Damian Lillard-only led Blazers, like post-LaMarcus Aldridge Blazers. Yeah. So if you're in the Eastern Conference, you know, maybe that's 46 wins. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if you're in the Western Conference, I think it's less than that. Um, I think if he goes to a situation where he truly is the guy, like it's clear he's the number one guy and there's a gap between his supporting talent, the flaws that you mentioned in his game earlier, uh, defensive consistency, uh, you know, playmaking for others, being able to run an actual offense, not just being himself, uh, would all become really glaring issues. I think he would be the odds-on favorite to be the scoring champ. 
you know, I could see him putting up an insane uh, scoring title because he's very efficient, free throws, three-pointers. Oh, man, it uh, would be so entertaining to watch him get to 35 a game somehow. He might he might average 35 a game, and that's in play, and that sounds like hyperbole. I mean, that sounds like something you would say about DeMar DeRozan last year, but no, he really actually could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm torn because the basketball nerd side of me just thinks that's so pointless, especially given how good the situation was in Cleveland from a winning perspective and from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah. The other side of me is like, I mean, whatever golden state clearly owns them. Uh, If he goes and does his own thing, I'm never going to vote for him for MVP. I'm not going to make a mistake like you did this year voting for (laughs) Westbrook, but I would definitely tune in and watch him shoot 30 times. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I mean, I just, I just finished saying I'm not like a huge fan of his game. But he is, he is really interesting to talk about because he's the only player in the NBA who seems like he's, like, at any given time, Kyrie is both un- overrated and underrated because his game, like, kind of, he, he, his game embodies every stereotype that is slowly getting written out of the NBA. Like, whether it's not playing D, the ISO heavy offense, a streaky ass shooting like Iverson back in the day doesn't really create for others. But then he's the best finisher of any guard I've ever seen. And we've seen several examples of him going toe to toe with Steph and winning. And I think a lot of people, especially uh, like on Sunday, I was I was looking at Twitter and, and watching people sort of like trash his game a little bit. And I think people write him off by looking at the way he played with without LeBron on these Cavs teams the past few years. And that's fair. And also the, the Cavs before LeBron got there, that's fair to a point. But I also think, like, he didn't have any – like, he was passing to, like, James Jones in those games without LeBron. And then before that, it was him and Dion Waiters and, and, like, pre pre-Waiters renaissance in Miami – so he's never really had good teammates, and I like if you ask how good anyone can be if they're like the only star, like John Wall wouldn't be better than a, a seventh seed in the East if he didn't have help. Like every every player needs help. So I think I think Kyrie is not quite as bad as some of the like s- smart NBA analysts sometimes make him sound. Yeah, and I think part of what's fueling. Uh the disparity in opinion of Kyrie that you're mentioning is because yeah. I really believe he's the most envied player by his fellow players in terms of his and skills, he and his personality. But like when you look at his ball handling, finishing, overall coldness, uh, and just how he carries himself, I feel like he gets more respect from his fellow players than almost anybody. It's sort of like how people look at Jamal Crawford if Jamal Crawford was still really, 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 really good, right? Yeah. And like a, be- a better version. Um, he always comes up in like, who's the toughest players to guard conversation. He always comes up in the like, Oh, if I could have one guy's ability, I'd steal that from him. You know, his, his handle, uh, you know, he consistently polls well. And like, uh, the kind of the players polls, they love him. They love him. And that's why a lot of other people write him off. Yeah. And so that's where the disparity comes from for sure. But, uh, I think it would be a fascinating test because I think the players are wrong. You know, (laughs) I I, I think like, Kyrie might get 50 on you, but his team probably would lose by 20 on if it was a good, you know, uh, against quality opposition. And so I I guess I would want to see the spectacle, but I wouldn't expect that much from it. Uh, and I think that's why his list of teams that he put out there was so interesting because 
did any of those teams necessarily like cater to the spectacle side of it? Like his list was pretty weird, right? Yeah. Well, that's uh, let's go into to question seven here. Where does Kyrie end up? And I came up with a couple scenarios. The Knicks thing, Knicks fans really want him there. I just feel like that would be <laughs> He's a, a perfect dis- Nick. It would be a <laughs> fucking disaster. <laughs> like perfect I'm, Nick. I'm perfect worried. Nick. I'm worried about Kyrie wherever he goes next. It's gonna be kind of tricky uh I think there are a couple situations where it could work but the best scenario for LeBron here is to get back Eric Bledsoe and TJ Warren from Phoenix uh Kai and then Carmelo from New York Kyrie goes to New York Nitalinka and some other assets go to Phoenix in exchange for this uh and if you're LeBron then you come back and like the rest of the that roster looks more appealing than it did like a couple weeks ago. I think, I think Eric Bledsoe, if he's healthy is, is actually like pretty decent um, in terms of like a, a possible Kyrie replacement, certainly much better than Derek Rose. So that side of it makes sense. I don't understand why Kyrie would want to play. Like he's from Jersey. I get it. But if, if he's going that route, like push for a trade to Brooklyn or Philly, like that, those are close to home also and not the Knicks. They'd sell so many jerseys, though. I mean, he would be That's such true, a yeah. big star. I, I think it's the you're billboard right. factor, right? Like when you're in Times Square and when Melo first got there, or even when Amari first got there, and, you know, they're just everywhere. They're plastered everywhere. I think that would appeal to Kyrie. Uh, his jersey, I think, would be in conversation for a top jersey sale. I mean, if you put him in a Knicks jersey, uh, if not, you know, top three with Steph and LeBron. So, uh, I think that'd be part of it. Sell a lot more sneakers. I mean, think about all the Kyrie colorways we'd get, you know, one for every borough probably. So. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's case closed. Like, just go to New York, be famous and rich, and watch the Warriors win the next four titles. That makes sense to me. So here's the thing, though. They don't have anything really to give. Like, I, even the scenario that you're describing, the New York side seems thin, doesn't it? Well, they would have to give up next year's first, which, you know – if, if they have you, no problem doing that. Yeah, no well, problem at all. That's true. They don't have a problem doing that. Although recently, that seems to be like the one bridge that the, the, the Knicks won't cross. But I do think to get this deal done, they would look at it as like, hey, like Kyrie's a superstar. Let's make this happen. And oh, for sure. it's not necessary. If, if you're bringing back Kyrie to pair with Chris Stapps, it's not exactly going to be like a top five pick, especially in triple a like they they're gonna be able to win <laughs> hey, look 45 games i love it i love when you adopt the memes it's great um well the other teams on his list can we just run through his list quickly so it was new york minnesota san antonio and miami correct yeah let me ask you this about the minnesota side was this the biggest moment in their franchise's history since the 2004 western conference finals that they got included on a list <laughs> it is, it's a big win i've i have no idea how they could do it with how, how they could make this deal work without sending back wiggins which would be hilarious uh oh man <laughs> but i i mean it is certainly even being included here is a major step for for team tibbs it's crazy because, like, okay, so they drafted Kevin Love, or I guess they got him in a trade, right? So that's a big moment. They traded for Jimmy, but there wasn't, like, a no-trade clause involved, so that was just sort of a thing that happened. It wasn't necessarily, like, they did anything to have it. Yeah. Kyrie wanting to go there, at least saying he would go there, might be the biggest deal since the 4 Western Conference Finals. That yeah. is pretty phenomenal. Um, in terms of fit there, I would love to 
read Jeff Teague's uncensored thoughts on that part of it. Uh, it's sort of like, <laughs> did you guys <laughs> just forget that I was supposed to be handed the car keys like two weeks ago to this franchise, right? Well, and Kyrie is nothing if not a much much better version of Jeff Teague. Like they they kind of <laughs> have like the same games. Like Jeff Teague is one of those knockoff Bentleys and Kyrie is oh. actually a Bentley. <laughs> like you know how Chrysler has that like that the car PT that looks Cruiser? like yeah, it looks it almost looks like a Bentley. That's Jeff Teague and Kyrie is sort of the elite version. Oh, I'm thinking of the Chrysler 300. My fault. I said PT Cruiser earlier. That looks <laughs> nothing like a Bentley. Yeah, clearly it good, does look like my Bentley. Good car talk on open floor. <laughs> Hey, it's the open road, okay? I've been driving all over, crisscrossing this nation. But look, uh, is Miami the answer here? It seems like they have young players. Uh, they could potentially send back Dragic as a point guard. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they I really think, do I have think, young players, though. I mean, like, Dragic and... Uh, I like Justice Winslow. Would you put him in a trade? I'd, yeah, but like, if you're LeBron, does Justice Winslow really move the needle for you? I think you could use him on on some KD possessions, you know? I mean, I think he's, he's not going to, like, be the lockdown guy every single play, but he would help. I mean, he's definitely a perimeter defender. It might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but, uh, look, if they actually trade Kyrie, it's going to be, the, you know, the lesser of a bunch of evils, right? Like, you're settling here one way or another. If you get Dragic and Justin Swinslow, Winslow and maybe another piece, I don't know. You yeah. can talk yourself into it, possibly. I'm not excited about it, but... It seems like a place to start. Yeah. By the way, for any pod listeners, I don't know what's going on in D.C., but it's a very serious thunderstorm. So if you hear that in the background, uh, end of days here. Kyrie's on the move. Who knows what's happening? Um, I, yeah, I think that's Miami is, is fairly realistic. I just wonder whether they look at their roster and say, like, is it worth blowing up what we have to get to add Kyrie and sort of start from scratch with him. Like is Kyrie good enough well, to, to make that move? Look, you and I saw Pat Riley at summer league. He did a good job putting in the time and the effort, but I don't think he wants to be back at summer league next year and the year after and the year after, I think he'd be just fine having a franchise point card to build yeah. this whole thing around to kind of try to rally recruiting free agents going forward. Cause it's hard to sell people on Hassan Whiteside's lifestyle, right? Like if you're going to play for the heat, <laughs> it's like, true. all right, I'm going to be on snap with Hassan. That sounds great. Or I'm now playing with Kyrie and we're going to potentially be a top four seed if we team up. Right. Uh, it's a different pitch. I think it's a much better pitch if you have Kyrie as the face of it. If you're Miami, I think they should aggressively pursue him. All right, a couple other scenarios: the Spurs thing, he, he Kyrie to San Antonio, Dejounte Murray and Tristan Thompson to New York, Danny Green and Carmelo Anthony to Cleveland. That could work. I mean, I I don't know whether New York. I mean, New York. Dejounte Murray is pretty good. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> he's your favorite player, so yeah. I, I might be higher on him than the Knicks are. Uh, I don't know. I I don't see. I can't imagine Kyrie. Like my brain can't picture him in the Spurs system. I do think it would be that's the type of team that could get the best out of him. Like he needs to find a team that won't encourage his worst instincts and has like a a built-in motion offense and and also a team with a coach that is smart enough to be able to hide his weaknesses, both on offense and defense. So like, and that the heat qualify there too. Like Spo, Spo would find a way to get the best out of him. Yeah. I think almost every player can work in San Antonio. It might yeah. not be perfect. It might not be the best player in the league for San Antonio, but like LaMarcus Aldridge works in San Antonio. He's frustrating. 
Uh, it's not the greatest, but they did win 60-plus games. He was a big part of that. They did make the Western Conference Finals. I think that Kyrie in San Antonio would be like a supercharged Parker, like Parker it on would be like great. The, the very best steroids, like the next level 21st generation robotic steroids. Um, but I don't know. If you're San Antonio and this whole summer has seemed to be about playing for next summer, you might actually have bigger goals in mind, right? Like they might, this whole thing could be a setup for them trying to chase LeBron. Bringing Kyrie in, clearly that's well, going to complicate things significantly. And it's also, if you, it, like a close reading of some of these reports have talked about Kyrie wanting to play on his own team and expand his brand. And going to Kawhi's team is not how you get your own team. And going to San Antonio is not necessarily the best place to like globalize your brand. So I, I agree with you on the second part. I would actually push back a little bit on the first part, just because it's obviously uh, Kawhi's team. He's the best right. player, but he does not care. That's true. Like, he will, he will be completely fine with letting the, the lead of the HEB commercials be Kyrie. If that's what it comes to, right? Like Kyrie can have all the punchlines in the supermarket commercials down there. Uh, he could be the guy who's the face of all their other local advertisers. I mean, he's not going to have any issue with that. Uh, and they're both Nike Jordan guys too. So I think that's one other thing to think about in terms of that fit. I mean, there's no sneaker tension. Um, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Um, all right, uh, two, uh, two more ideas that I had and then one pipe dream that I had. Uh, the best scenario for the show would be Boogie and Rondo to Cleveland for a year. And then you pair Kyrie and Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday moves off the ball. I have no idea how we could make this trade work, but it would be amazing watching Anthony Davis and Kyrie together. And it would be so funny to just watch Cleveland descend into full on like chaos and just become a total shit show with Boogie Rondo. Maybe they could sign Derek Rose and they'd still have other big men in Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. <laughs> You're designing my least favorite team of all time in Cleveland right now. You're Let's just turn assembling the all my most hated players. Exactly. Let's make them the most miserable team in the history of the sport. Um, and speaking well, of ask, misery, though, the other oh, no, one. Real quick. Okay. No, on your point, though, could LeBron keep Boogie in check? I just... Do you think that could happen? Could that be a thing? Yeah, definitely. But they they have enough big men that I don't know whether they – I mean, they they then have to, like, think through how to move Love and Tristan Thompson or, or one of them. And I don't know – like, who knows what, what version of LeBron we're going to be getting next season. Like, that's a whole other thing. And But, yes, I think in a vacuum, Boogie – has been waiting to find a situation that makes sense. And so I, you're not going to convince me that someone as talented as he is is going to go 15 years without ever finding a team that works. And I think if he were, if he were on a winning team with LeBron, like he would be fine. Imagine if that trade did happen, Kyrie, for uh, Cousins, and then LeBron leaves Cleveland. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Boogie's a free agent next summer. So, like... That would be oh my God. that would be part of the misery. And speaking of next summer, the best scenario for Dan Gilbert and like Dan Gilbert's probably my least favorite human associated with basketball in general. Um, and it like most owners are pretty shady, but like you can draw a pretty clear line between Dan Gilbert and like the fall of the American housing market. Uh, but I would be pretty impressed if he found a way to trade Kyrie for Lonzo Ball and 
made it impossible for LeBron to go to the Lakers next summer. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I did mention Not even Lonzo. Lonzo. He could trade Kyrie for Jordan Clarkson just to screw LeBron. Well, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the, the podcast with Lee, but I did mention the Lonzo trade possibility. You could hear his head explode on the <laughs> other end. Uh, and he was like, you went too far. You have to come back. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> so that was... In, that in, was nice. In California last week, I was at a wedding with a bunch of Lakers fans. And I I mean, I came out of Vegas like pretty high on Lonzo and excited. They are in a whole other space with Lonzo. <laughs> it's right? incredible. The way they talk about him and the level of like r- religious excitement that they have for what's coming is pretty wild and i'm i'm it honestly made me nervous because i was like look lonzo's like not that he was playing guys who are not going to be nba players like let's wait and see on this but they are just off to the races you know take your facts and shove them okay (laughs) uh it was a phenomenal summer league there's no (laughs) doubt about it uh no i don't see that trade sorry yes um but I do like the idea of Kyrie just ruining all of LeBron's scenarios. Like LeBron's just like kind of carefully cultivated these landing spots next summer in case he needs them, whether it's San Antonio or the Lakers or whoever else. And now Kyrie can spoil one of them and kind of force LeBron's hand. Because LeBron obviously is this master narrative guy, right? He's always has his next chapter kind of written in his head. And here's like Kyrie playing ultimate spoiler. I don't know. There's uh, there's something there. It's it's kind of artistic in a way. Can I tell you my my number one dream here? Yes, please. We need to find a way to get Kyrie to the Jazz. Okay. You well, mentioned it earlier. What? Like, it, he would be perfect. They just need an explosive guard to go with that defense and someone who can score and close out at the end of games. Like, what's basically a rich, rich, rich man's version of what Joe Johnson was doing last year. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what they can throw into a deal to make it work. But that to me, and then again, Kyrie, we, Kyrie could set up his own self-sustaining community in, in the Utah wilderness, and it would be perfect. Well, it does bother me when people are like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Utah's a defensive team, and he's not a defensive player. It's like, no, that is exactly the kind of team you would want to put him on, or yeah. San Antonio, where you've got length and size at the other four positions so that Kyrie can really just like stand out near half court, not do anything on defense. And then you just turn him loose when he's on offense. I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit. He's going to have to be part of the scheme, but having a guy like Gobert out there to protect him is ideal. And it would bring the best out of Kyrie. And it's another thing that we should be thinking about here. Just kind of big picture. We've always viewed Kyrie, his positives and negatives through this LeBron lens, at least for the last three years, you know, Uh before that he was so young and just kind of undeveloped. Um, We never really gave it that much thought. If he really does get moved, if we want to construct the ideal team around Kyrie, that's sort of what it looks like defense heavy. uh, You know, Utah will slow it down. Uh, You know, Kyrie's comfortable pounding the ball if he needs to. I mean, certainly in the half court, like he has a little bit of the slow down hard and stuff to him. Uh, you know, milking shot clocks, trying to get fouls, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get late clock opportunities. I mean, that's sort of his game. I think, uh, and also drive and kick too. I mean, I think he's not a terrible playmaker for others, but it's not the, you know, the best part of his game. But if you put him in situations where you had spacers, you know, guys like Rodney Hood and whoever else, yeah. uh, that could work. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to be a top 10 offense. And I guess that's another one of my uh, concerns with Kyrie is he's an unbelievably efficient player himself. At least he has been these last few years. 
I think it would become one of these situations like Westbrook's Thunder or Paul George's Pacers, where if he had to do everything, if he didn't have the LeBron crutch, the team numbers would definitely come back to earth. Uh, And if, if I'm him, that's why a team like the Knicks, it makes sense for off the court, but God, that would be just an absolute (laughs) mess. They'd lose a lot of games. I think he really needs to consider like, what is his ideal situation going forward? And from his list, I didn't necessarily get the impression that he'd put very much thought or, or very good thought into that. Yeah, well, I mean, his ideal situation is playing with LeBron James, but there are other reasons that's, that's, that that isn't working. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I really do think that, like like we said 40 minutes ago, I understand why he would want out, but I think that we're going to look back uh, after five more years of Kyrie and say, man, like that was that was the perfect place for him and it just wasn't going to work after that um which is you know a kind of a bummer but who knows um yeah but it's it's not kobe shack though no you know, i think that that's different i mean if the warriors didn't exist then it is kobe shack it's right? not kobe shack but, on- but it's also Kyrie's not kobe like Ky- kobe was still the best player in the league for, or a top three player in the league for like another seven years after the Shaq breakup and Kyrie is not going to have that same timeline. Yeah. So I guess my point is I kind of do mourn. I mean, not like outright mourn, but I do think about it. Like what happens if they hadn't broken up Kobe and Shaq? Like that does cross my mind. I do think it's one of those big what ifs. I'm not sure I'm going to look back at LeBron and Kyrie the same way that's if good. they do yeah, split. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, it, and it makes, it makes things more interesting. Um, all right couple more questions here we're gonna skip number eight which was about <laughs> 10 questions but we're skipping them okay. well we're skipping we've spent too much time on some of these um, one of them was okay. can we talk about how insane it is that the Cavs didn't have a GM this entire time I think we've covered that and we did cover that it's just uh, totally let, let's get okay go for it let's go back to number eight real quick because you said why wouldn't the Cavs have traded Kevin Love I think that is a huge thing that we should uh, to point out and just hammer home again. It's It goes back to the management thing. That deal needed to get done. The Paul George for Kevin Love deal, we talked about it during the playoffs, immediately after the playoffs, in the run-up to the draft, the entire way through. It was the perfect trade to make. And if you wanted to close the gap with Golden State, that was the trade you had to do. You had to make that thing happen. Kevin Pritchard went a different direction. You can't tell me that if... There was an experienced GM uh, who was in place, you know, had full faculties, had ownerships backing, everything was right in-house, that Cleveland could have come closer or found a way to sweeten that up so that they were able to get Paul George, especially if they realized guys like Kyrie might be upset or LeBron's kind of doing weird stuff, all the other pressure that's going involved there. That trade had to get done one way or the other for Cleveland. That's where their summer uh, to me, was lost initially. Yeah, and not getting that Paul George trade done. I also would like a long form report on what the hell Kevin Pritchard was thinking, like all summer long. Because <laughs> I I heard that the Thunder trade, what happened was they the OKC went to him and were basically like, "This is our offer. It's off the table at twelve oh one and and the beginning of free agency." And that's part of the reason it got done that night, which is crazy to me because the idea that OKC wasn't going to part with Oladipo a week into free agency is psychotic. And who knows what's true, uh, but the my reaction to the Nuggets-Cavs-Paul Paul George deal that uh, I think it was Winhorst and Dave McManaman and Ramona uh, included details in that in Sunday's ESPN report. But 
what I don't understand is why the Cavs wouldn't then turn around and say, here, Denver, you like Kevin Love? Take Kevin Love. Give us Kenneth Reed and Gary Harris, and let's just do that, that deal instead. Because I think Love is such a bad matchup against Golden State that they should have been looking to move him regardless of whether they were getting back Paul George. Okay, well, you just made my brain kind of do a 180 because I'm trying to picture Kenneth Freed staying on the court against Golden State in the well, finals. Well, no, but that, you don't. That's a really tough one. You that's don't, a tough one. You don't take Kenneth Freed to start. I think then they turn around <laughs> and say, because even, even if you put LeBron at the four, which that's another thing, like LeBron has not wanted to play the four, but like should, but should want to do that when he's in Golden or uh, uh, certainly when they're playing the, the Warriors. And then you come back and you have J.R. Smith, Kyrie, Gary Harris, LeBron, and Tristan Thompson. Like, that's a better five against Golden State. Uh, maybe, but I don't know. That still seems kind of like a reach. I just think you could probably do better okay. uh, in the Kevin Love deal. And I think if you're Denver, this kind of feels like a sigh of relief, right? Like, wouldn't you rather have Millsap and none of this drama? Not, like, well, have Harrison, Millsap, and not even just worry about Kevin Love? Not only is, this, is it a sigh of relief, but the retroactive reporting here is an indictment against their front office. Like, it's crazy that they ever wanted Kevin Love and were willing to give up that much for him. And I, and then you factor in, like, the draft night deal for Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon while they were also reportedly talking about adding <laughs> Kevin Love. Like, I don't know what the hell Denver is thinking. I think everyone in, in, in Denver should be thrilled that they came through this offseason. Keeping Gary Harris, who, like, his his off-ball game and, and just the way he cuts the hoop around, uh, uh, what is it, not Nurkic, Jokic, is perfect. Like, he's a perfect fit with them, and he's a pretty good defender. He'll probably get overpaid next summer, but, like, Love, I I don't really understand what they were thinking with that. Yeah, me neither. This might be like broken clock is right twice a day type of thing. Yeah, and it worked like, out. They might have just like stumbled into nailing the Millsap thing. Yeah, and good but, for them. But... Um, all right, so we're skipping the the GM talk at uh, I guess yeah, that was number nine. My final point here, my final question for you, and I didn't even include this in the email, but number ten, does th- all of this potentially make it more realistic for LeBron to stay in Cleveland next summer? Um, I think you can make really strong arguments either way. Uh, I do think that if I think the big X factor here is how Cleveland's management team handles it. If they just get bullied by Kyrie and trade Kyrie for nothing, LeBron, I'm, I'm out. I'm good. You know, it's like this isn't a team that's ready to compete. I can find a better spot, especially if the Spurs are sitting right there and you know all the organizational stuff with Pop, Kawhi is just going to be, you know, locked in. They're going to fill roster holes. They know how to do that. Like if you just have the situation where the dysfunction starts to swarm you, uh, then you just bail. I think if, if they're able to talk Kyrie into coming back, everything's cool, smooth it over then I do think that that probably helps their case with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, if they just keep Kyrie but don't smooth it over so he's angry the whole time, I think that hurts LeBron coming back because, again, the dysfunction start, stuff starts to rear its ugly head. Uh, and the ceiling for this team probably comes down a little bit if Kyrie's not fully invested. Uh, so I can make arguments both ways, and I'm not sure we're going to know that until we see how Cleveland's management responds. Okay. Well, let me make my case then. 
Um, because it's it, part of it happened before Kyrie and, and all this blew up. And then it's only bolstered by the, by the Kyrie news. So in the days since our last pod in Vegas, it's, it's been like two weeks. Um, I've been thinking, and I realized that it would be very, very LeBron to see all the speculation this summer fuel it all by saying nothing but posting cryptic Instagram stories, showing up to Lakers games, et cetera, et cetera. And then like three months from now, training camp starts, he turns around and acts like we are the crazy ones for inferring anything about like his plans next summer. And I think what it did, what did it for me was I, I signed on Twitter one day and there were all these rumors about LeBron to the Sixers and like if people are going to seriously start talking about LeBron to Philly, <laughs> I'm out. And then he tweeted to Ben Simmons the next day to sort of like cryptically play into it. And I'm just team like this is all nonsense and LeBron enjoys the attention and let's see what happens next summer. Because again, it doesn't totally make sense for him to go to the West. It doesn't like there are a lot of reasons that staying in the East would work. And if you're going to stay in the East, Cleveland is probably going to be the best situation. And I like it's entirely possible that he was playing the Lakers this summer and is sort of like screwing with them. And none of this means anything. In which case, moving Kyrie was always the most realistic way for the Cavs to actually get better and meaningfully like change the equation versus the Warriors because he has so much more value than Kevin Love. And I and now like and like there are reasons there were political reasons that they couldn't do that and that like they had to sort of like sneak him into trade offers in June and do it all secretly. Now it's all out in the open. Like they can deal Kyrie to the highest bidder and they might like if they can get a good return, they might come back in better shape to contend over the next few years and keep LeBron. I liked all of it until that last like 10 words where you said they were going to come back in better shape. I just have a really hard time picturing a scenario where they come back in better shape. Uh, so it, I agree that he they... has a lot of trade value, but I just don't understand how you're going to get back an equal package when, when you consider their significant holes. Because look, they have a lot of holes. They need an elite second playmaker, right? They have to have that. Because look, otherwise it's Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, all these other guys, right? Their bench... Uh, you know, at times when LeBron's on the court with them, they're pretty potent. Otherwise, you can't really count on them. A lot of inconsistent pieces. I mean, you have to have a big-time uh, score in that role. Who is that guy? How are they going to get him? That's my question. And so uh, it, from the PR perspective, I understand what you're saying. It does provide a little cover. It makes things easier if Kyrie does get traded now that it's out in the open. Yeah. Uh, Le LeBron playing dumb when he comes back to training camp, I can definitely see that. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to play dumb all the way through until next uh, free agency if they lose to the Warriors again in the finals because I don't see LeBron allowing his career to be defined as the guy who's going to get consistently beaten by Golden State in the finals, right? He's just not going to settle for that. He's going to have some backup plan or some improvement plan. And I think the improvement for him, it's much easier to make by jumping to one of these other teams that we've talked about and putting together a new super team, just kind of starting from scratch without the baggage in Cleveland than it is to try to flip Kyrie into a guy who's really going to be an upgrade or, or put the organization in a place where they can seriously upgrade. Uh, so, to me, it's just going to, there's going to be a, a path of least resistance or less resistance for LeBron that doesn't involve 
you know, a Kyrie trade that somehow improves them. So you don't think a T I guess my problem is that I like too many guys on the Phoenix Suns and I like I really like TJ Warren and think that he would be a solid bucket getter for their second unit. I really like Eric Bledsoe. I and I think if you add Eric Bledsoe and Mello and maybe find a way to flip love somehow, like that's a I don't know. Like the, there's there's at least an opportunity for them to remake this roster now and have it make a lot more sense. Like I think one of the big reasons that LeBron in Cleveland hasn't made sense is that he like he's needed to play 40 minutes a game 6 months a year just to keep them dominant and winning like 60 games a year because Kyrie and Love so far have not been the guys who can like carry it and allow him to sort of take a back seat. And I think yeah, you could well, do- get some other pieces in there that would make more sense. Do you want to hear a really cool fact about Eric Bledsoe? <laughs> this is going to be some injury bullshit. Don't don't no. ruin my no, high not, here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going that direction. This is pretty cool. Guess what? What? Do you know who has more career playoff starts, you or Eric Bledsoe? Uh, that's fine. He's, he's still really good. <laughs> you guys have the both the same. Zero career playoff starts. He hasn't been in the playoffs since his early in his Clippers days. Uh, and you could say, oh, well, Kyrie didn't have any you know, playoffs appearances before LeBron showed up. Yeah, but Eric Bledsoe's 27, right? And so you're telling me that you're going to trust LeBron's final season in Eric Bledsoe's hands if you're Cleveland? Nah. Okay. Nah, I'm, I'm good. All, this all guy doesn't I- even play in March, <laughs> let alone June, okay? All I'm saying is that after a week hanging out with you in Las Vegas and talking to other NBA people – I was like 90% sold on LeBron leaving. And especially after that Lonzo game, I was probably 75, 80% sold on him going to the Lakers. Now I am, I am less sold and more like who knows what the hell will happen. And that this does open the door for them to remake things. It like, there's at least a chance that they could get more flexibility and, and pull off a little bit of a miracle here. Uh, And maybe that's naive, but I also think that we, we don't know as much about what LeBron's thinking as we might think. Yeah. Here's how I'd phrase it though, that it would be pulling a rabbit out of the hat. The it problem would. is the, the Cavaliers don't even have a magician or a hat right <laughs> yeah, now. They got true. nobody. They got an empty stage up there when it comes to the front office. Poor Colby Altman, man. I feel bad for that guy. He's like 34 years old and thrown into a completely impossible situation. But you know, there's also opportunity here. Um, one more thing before we go. How about John Wall, man? Well, hey, look, I think I said it. You were the canary in the coal mine. I said, <laughs> if Andrew's not worried, there's no need to worry. Do not panic about John Wall's future unless he starts to get a little concerned. Sure enough, deal's done. Lo so, and behold, feeling, here we are. Are you feeling good? You feeling yes, good about that? I am feeling good. If anything, I'm surprised. And as someone who cares about John Wall, I think – I. I would be lying if I said that my initial reaction wasn't like, are you sure about this? Like signing up for another six years in DC, but no, it's a big win. And we, we went over this uh, a couple times this summer. The only thing I objected to was the way people were framing this as like some ominous sign about how John wall feels about DC. It was actually a pretty interesting like dilemma he had, whether to bet on himself making an all NBA team next year and try to get an additional year of that 50 million a year. 
he didn't do that, uh, and it's a big win for the for the Zards. Um, we got a couple LeBron to DC emails, which I'm not. I have. I mean, people who have followed me, I have been willing to entertain any superstar trade to get some help for Wall in DC. But I think LeBron, I, LeBron is a bridge too far just, for me. Just stop. Just stop. You just cut off it. the LeBron to Philly talk. <laughs> we can't bring in the Wizards talk. Anytime you want to just uh, completely clown Boston or Philadelphia, I am here to tell you that that also applies to the Wizards. Exactly. Too, okay? Exactly. So. I'm not that delusional. So. No more LeBron to DC emails, and maybe we could reverse jinx our way into into a blockbuster move next summer. But uh, but it is well, it's a hey, big I, win for for Wall. I have a very important take on the John Wall thing. What uh, could we have a better contrast of how you should announce your news between John Wall and Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward slaves <laughs> over a twenty one hundred word essay that then gets scooped. And he can't get it on the Players' Tribune, so he has to pretend that he's changing his mind 15 times, even though Chris Haynes came on this podcast and said that was a joke and bull. Or you could do it the John Wall way, which is point a camera in the general direction of your face, don't even wear a shirt, and then say, what would you guys expect? Of course I'm coming back. 30-second video <laughs> clip, upload it to Interrupted, no drama, we're good. That. <laughs> it's not that hard he did it he nailed it it was perfect and look maybe he didn't get as many views as the players tribune essay i don't know but in terms of who do you want to root for or who do you cheer for who do you think handled that situation better the john wall shirtless uh announcement video or gordon hayward's painstaking poetry that was scooped there's no question in my mind it's john wall that's my guy man that's my point guard wizard for life for better or worse, uh, we're going to live and die with John Wall, which is awesome. And uh, and who knows what the hell is going to happen in Cleveland, but I really appreciate you making some time, taking, some, uh, taking a break from your adventures in Utah to talk through this with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So you're actually taking off now, though. I'm yes. finally free of you, right? I'm actually okay, I'm going to Europe tomorrow morning, and I'll be in France wandering around uh and possibly i i think i'm gonna stay off twitter so when i come back i'll be surprised by whatever the hell happens with lebron and Kyrie. we'll have a great time we will try to fill in for you during your second <laughs> retirement uh, hopefully yes. it, will, it will be okay i'm gonna send you some questions i do have a couple phones to pick with last year's top 100 before you and rob like start talking through whatever you're gonna do this year that's good. We could do a casual fans check-in with last year's <laughs> list. damn it. All right. <laughs> I need to get away from you. Take it easy. Great chat, man. It- I'll talk to you. All right. Peace. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. Another great edition of Open Floor is in the books. Did you know Locked On has a daily podcast for all 30 NBA teams? If you're a Lakers fan, search Locked On Lakers. A Celtics fan, search Locked On Celtics. Warriors fans, search Locked On Warriors. Yes, all 30 NBA teams have a daily bite-sized podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Search on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.